Whoop, whoop, whoop. So many exciting things to tell you. I'm going to keep it short and simple. Number one, my book is now free, a digital version of my book, Building Simple Habits to a Healthy Me. You can just sign up and get it for free. Number two, come and say hello on Instagram. I'm having fun on Instagram doing exciting reels. Number three, I have four amazing packages for my Positively Healthy program called Magical May exciting exciting if you want to find out more book a call and let's chat and lastly remember radiate and renew four simple habits simple but mighty habits is starting may the 15th so come and sign up for that I had a miracle cure that would guarantee you and your family living to a ripe old age whilst feeling vigorous, fit and fabulous. Would you be interested? Well, I do. It's called Healthy Living. Hello and welcome to Fit and Fabulous with me, Dr. Orlina Kerrick. Healthy Living for Families Made Easy. Hello and welcome to the Fit and Fabulous podcast with me, Dr. Alina Kerrick. I hope that you are feeling amazing. It is getting hot here in Spain. Summer seems to have arrived a little bit early and oh my goodness, I am swimming in the sea basically every day to cool down. It's lovely. I absolutely love swimming in the sea, particularly when it helps me feel refreshed and like I can get on with my day. Today, I have a really exciting guest for you, an old friend who is going to talk all about meditation and how meditation is that secret key to health and happiness. So I'm really excited to welcome Rachel Beanland, who we went to medical school together oh so many years ago. I have to confess, we didn't really know each other at medical school, but it's so nice to be in contact with someone who is a, I want to say a conagut, that means a known person um, in Catalan. Now, before we dive in, just a few things to remember. Number one, I am gearing up to do another Healthy You, Healthy Family Challenge. So excitement, excitement, that's going to be the last week in June. If you missed out the first time round, we had so much fun. It was amazing. So many transformations, so many people taking action and it was fun and easy. So make sure that you keep an eye out for the sign up. And if you did it last time, come and do it again, because there's always another little change that you can make and it was fun. And come and join the Facebook group as well, because that's where all the action is taking place. And we are having Facebook Lives every single Thursday. Eek, slight technical problems last Thursday, but I will get it sorted out for this Thursday. And we will be talking about self-care again this week. So come and join in. Okay, let's chat meditation. Rachel, thank you so much for being here. Oh, it's great to be here. Thank you for inviting me. So just, you know, a little background. We went to medical school together. Oh my goodness. Oh, so many years ago. It feels like an absolute lifetime. I shouldn't say these things. But can you just give us, start by giving us just a little background of what you were doing and how you've come to meditation? So yes, you're right. We were at university together, which does feel like years and years ago. And I did a very traditional start to my medical career. I worked in hospital medicine, adult medicine for a period of time. I loved it. I loved being in that environment. I really enjoyed being in clinical medicine. But I also had an ongoing passion 
for infectious diseases. And that had come actually from my medical training. And when I was doing my elective in South Africa, I happened to be in an environment where um, they were piloting at the time antiretrovirals for women who were pregnant for prevention of mother to child transmission of HIV. And so that kind of really sparked something in me to think about medicine from a different aspect and to think more about prevention. And so this had kind of always been there in my mind. And as I started to practice clinical medicine, I realized that a lot of people were coming back into the wards that I was seeing. And I could see that there was a lot of illness and morbidity that was preventable. And it started me sort of thinking a little bit in a different fashion, really, as to how I could get more involved in that. And so I took a decision to start my public health career. And I trained in public health in the UK. And through that, it was a, it was a great training to be able to identify lots of different skills that I could take forward in terms of looking at population health, looking at preventive medicine and looking at interventions that could be effective and really understanding how those interventions could be put into practice. And I continue to work in public health, which has been fantastic. It's given me lots of opportunities to work at different levels, nationally, regionally, and globally. And I really enjoy that aspect of my work. And interestingly, at the same time that my public health career started and I made a shift out of clinical medicine, I also started to notice a shift in myself in terms of how I was looking at the world around me and starting to be a bit more conscious about the decisions that I was making. And at the same time, I started to explore yoga and yoga became something that I started to do much more regularly. And that's gone on to lead me to become a yoga teacher. And I now share that with other people. Meditation had a slightly different story for me because I'd always seen meditation as part of yoga and I would always do a bit of meditation as part of my yoga practice. You know, I would join in at the beginning or the end, but I often saw meditation as something a bit mystical and I would see people sometimes if I was traveling, I did some work in Nepal for a period of time and I would watch people meditating and think, wow, you know, how have they achieved the ability to sit like this? How can they be still? And how have they managed to get that sense of contentment and, and stillness? But I always thought it was really other people that were doing it. And I never really thought I could do that myself. And I think that's quite common, actually, that a lot of people sort of see it as something a little bit different, a little bit mystical. But over the last, I would say probably the last three or four years, I've started to explore meditation much more for myself. And I think that happened when I was very fortunate, really, to be trained by yoga teachers who were very passionate about meditation and to be around people who made it very accessible and explained the process, explained the benefits of it, explained the discomfort, the enjoyment of it, and made it very easy for me to try it myself. And so I've come now to a point where it's actually really key for me to continue meditating. And my practice is always evolving, and I'm always intrigued as to try different types of meditation, um, different ways of meditating, and I continue to kind of push the boundary for myself and explore 
But I would say it's really part of my day-to-day life and it's given me some skills to be able to use some of the things I do in meditation when I need them most in other day-to-day parts of my life. Like if I'm very stressed or I'm going through a challenging moment, it's something that I will go to, go to my meditation practice to achieve. For me, it's like a sense of calm, a sense of faith and incredible clarity that I can give myself by doing something very simple of just sitting and being. So that's how I've kind of explored it. Yeah, that's how I got to it. But so before we join into all of the benefits and the obstacles and things like that, can you give us a picture of how your life felt before you started meditation and the sort of bigger picture of how it is now, the sort of before and after the effect that it has had on your life? I think before my mind was just always, always hectic. I know that I find it very difficult to be in the present moment and I replay events that have happened in the past and I also look at events that are going to happen in the future and my head was always, always full of these things and it is still sometimes now and sometimes I have to continually bring myself back to the present. The difference I think was that before I found that that was actually making me feel very frustrated and angry inside. Like I was always feeling like I was battling against the world around me. And even though my life was very happy, you know, I was progressing through my career. I was enjoying my life. I had a wonderful relationship with my husband. You know, we were doing all the things we wanted to do in life. I still felt this inner sense of battle, I think is the word, you know, this sort of frustration And what meditation has done for me is just taken that away a little bit. It's like, it's like almost like opening a set of curtains before I could see through the curtains, but just the light. And now it's like the curtains have pulled away and I can feel everything more clearly. And so even though life still brings its challenges, and I think it, you know, that's part of how we move through life. It would be strange if life was always beautiful and glitzy and wonderful but it's just given me that ability to be calmer and clearer and I think now I can observe how I am in the world much more than I was before so I know from a yogi perspective we talk a lot about the sort of doing and the being and I think that's what it shifted for me before I was doing 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 and my thoughts were doing 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 and now I'm able to be much more. That's really interesting. And I would echo that. So for me, I think not a struggle, but one of the things that I see in my life is I have four young children who are full of huge, great emotions all the time. And obviously these emotions clatter around the four of them bouncing off each other. And obviously I'm affected by these big emotions and my adult brain just wants to calmly get on with my whatever it is I want to do. And I find meditation for me like a little oasis of calm in this noise and clutter and big emotions that my children are busy throwing around. And it's almost like I can just go and hide in my bedroom and enjoy this peace and calm, even though I'm aware that all that noise and 
stuff is going on, it now no longer affects me. And I can realise that I can still be here in a very close proximity to them, but without it sort of amplifying within myself. So it's interesting, isn't it, how we have slightly different benefits, but also kind of similar. So yeah, I am a sciencey ish person. I love a bit of woo. And I can hear you kind of saying, oh, I thought <laughs> meditation was a bit woo. And so I love woo, but I also love the science behind it. So can you tell us a little bit, because there is actually loads of research about meditation and how it has big benefits to our health. So should we start there and you can tell us a bit about that? Yeah, I'd love to. So I also think it's super important that we look at the science and I think it can tell us so much because like you say, it is evolving, but there is already a lot of evidence that has been conducted. And I, I think one of the things to think about with meditation is there are so many different types of meditation, but actually the principles of meditation and the way that the physiological effects on our body of meditating are pretty much the same with all those different types of meditation. So we are slowing down our breathing. We're focusing by doing that. We're slowing down our heart rate. We're reducing down, you know, our parasympathetic parasympathetic nervous system is being activated so those physiological principles generally will happen for Can most types of Can meditation. Can I ask you just to explain because not everybody knows what a parasympathetic nervous system is I know that you, we've been to medical school <laughs> but you just want to explain it for people who don't know what it is. Yeah so I think a lot of people might have heard the sort of flight and fright you know response so when we're really anxious and we're stressed and we have a natural response to increase our heart rate to increase the adrenaline in our bodies to be able to respond to something and that has come from a really sort of primordial response in us that you know if we were being chased by an animal we could respond quickly and so what we want to try and do with meditation is really the opposite so to try to really induce a state of relaxation in the body and so by doing the inverse of that, what we can do is then activate the nervous system in our body that calms and reduces all of those heightened alerts. So it pushes us back into that state of relaxation. So I think, you know, there's a lot of evidence there which has been done particularly on two types of meditation. And one is the transcendental meditation that people might have heard of. And this was really the reason there's a lot of research on that is it was quite trendy back in the sort of 70s and 80s. And so as the medical research progressed, people did a lot of um, evaluation on what that type of meditation looked like and what impacts it gave people. And transcendental meditation, the idea of that is you're transcending. And from a yogi perspective, you're sort of transcending into your next level of consciousness and you're reaching this samadhi, which is like, you know, being in the way we talk about the conscious and the subconscious, but it's another level. It's like taking your step to the another level. The other meditation that there's a lot of um, evidence on is around mindfulness-based practice. And that's also because it's been a very structured way of delivering meditation. So people may have heard about MBSR, which is mindfulness-based stress reduction. And there's lots of those mindfulness-based practices which contain meditation in them. So you will find that those two predominantly are sort of filling up a lot of the research space. But increasingly, there are um, trials and studies on the use of yoga in meditation, the use of walking meditation, lots of different techniques and types. 
But I think the message is that they all will induce the same physiological effect over time. And when you look at the evidence, what we do know is that they can be really useful in healthy people. And they can also be really useful as an additional um, therapy in people who have chronic illness. And so there's lots of evidence coming through with people who have chronic pain or who are going through treatments with cancer and how those therapies, those meditation therapies can be used in addition to treatments, to clinical treatments to support and to achieve different outcomes for those groups. But if we look at the healthy person, so someone who is not taking other medications, doesn't have any chronic illnesses, then the the sort of five key um, impacts that I like to think about when I think about the benefits are reducing stress, reducing anxiety, increasing that sense of being mindful and present in the world around you, improving sleep quality and looking at, you know, reducing insomnia. And also one that I find really fascinating is around um, improving cardiovascular health. So improving our heart health. And those are the key areas that I really like to think about in terms of benefits, because I think there are things that all of us would love to improve in our life. We all want to be less stressed. We all want to have less anxiety, be a bit more present and mindful. And sleep is part of our, you know, balanced life and healthy life, as well as thinking about our overall cardiovascular health. So those are the key areas. And it's been shown in many different types of groups that by doing meditation, you can improve your levels of stress so reduce your levels of stress be um, happier in the moment that you are and this has particularly been shown in different workplace environments so when you're looking at healthcare workers the levels of stress will reduce Uh, as with any study and this is where my public health brain comes in The difficulty is that we're measuring a group for a period of time. And so you will find with many of the evidence that's out there that you will get a better outcome and you'll see much more benefit by repeating the meditation over a longer period of time. And so some of the research has not gone on for long enough to show a great benefit, but there's lots of indication that by regularly meditating with simple meditation practices that you can really improve some of your health and well-being measurements very easily. Fabulous. And I would like to just add, sleep, of course, is one of my four pillars and very, very important. But when we talk about meditation for sleep, it doesn't have to be that I'm going to do a relaxation to go to sleep. It can be if I do 10 minute meditation in the middle of the day, it can also benefit me. And the way I see this is the vast majority of people who have problems with sleep, it's because your brain is busy whirring. You know, you wake up, which is part of normal sleep, and then suddenly your brain is like cling and you're going through your to-do list or you're, you know, as you say, going through things that have happened in the past. And that makes it difficult for us to go back to sleep. When we train our brains to turn that off and focus on our breathing or just calm down, 
we can also do that in the middle of the night. And so it has that knock on effect of helping us sleep better. Yeah. And I think that's the beauty of meditating is that by meditating regularly, you're able to induce benefits in your own health and well-being, but it also gives you that tool to use it. So like you've just given with that example of sleep, meditating in the morning will help your sleep quality at nighttime. But also if you wake up in the night, you can use the same technique to try to get yourself back to sleep again. So I find that that's an amazing way, really. It's a tool to be able to use at moments when life is more difficult or more challenging. Fabulous. Yeah. When I talk about self-care, I think we need what I call preventative tools. So tools that we're doing regularly that just stop us from getting into moments of stress. But equally, we need those tools for emergency, for when we realize that our anxiety levels or stress levels or anger levels are going higher and meditation can function as both. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, definitely. And I thought, I think one of the most fascinating things for me about the science is how people are now able to show that it actually will stop us from getting high blood pressure and reduce our blood pressure. And so all of those studies that have been done, particularly with people who haven't developed any signs of heart disease, but also the people that have got some early signs of high blood pressure or they're developing um slightly getting more overweight so their risk factors are increasing slightly towards developing heart disease in the future it's amazing that by using meditation that you can reduce your risk and that's been endorsed now by the American Heart Association who actually released a statement saying that because meditation is such an easy tool to employ it's cheap you know it's easy and accessible that actually it should be considered in the whole host of other things we do to prevent people from getting heart disease. And I think that's an incredibly powerful statement to come out from a a body which has realized that we can do things for ourselves as individuals, which will have an impact on our individual health. They may not be the only thing. And like you say, if you package it as part of your self-care, then it becomes something that you do and you continue lifelong Yes. And no side effects as well. Exactly. Exactly. And I think, yeah, I think very few of the studies have got any side effects. I think sometimes, and I think this is where I would say, um, I recently wrote a blog about apps and the use of different apps, mindfulness apps. And I think it is important that we're slightly mindful of our use of different mindful apps because, there has been a there has been shown to be benefit of meditation for people with lots of different chronic illnesses, particularly mental health conditions, as I mentioned, pain, cancer, people who are using it in addition to therapies. But I think it's very important that if you are considering doing that, that you also discuss with your clinician and your health professional as to how that looks and the best ones to try that have actually been evaluated and um are appropriate for you because the the potential side effect really if you like of meditation is that it can cause other thoughts to come through your mind and so it is important that if you are going to go through that process that you are able to deal with whatever comes up Um, and I think that's just that would be the only thing I would say is that if people are thinking about adding meditation they find it very uncomfortable or they're adding it as 
on top of other things that they're doing for their own chronic conditions. It's just important to find out the right type of meditation for you that feels really comfortable. And from my own experience, I think it's great to try different types because at different points in your life, you may find that they're easier or they give you more benefit. And it's sort of no, it's not one size fits all type approach, really. So in the similar theme, what are some of the obstacles that people encounter when they think about meditation? I think it's like I was saying about this sort of mystical approach, you know, I think everyone's idea of meditation is you must sit still and you must empty your head. And the problem is, if you try to do that to your body, it's probably the opposite effect that's going to happen. It's a little little bit like when we think, oh, I don't want to eat chocolate. And all you can think about then is chocolate. So a lot of people talk about, you know, quietening the mind and, and bringing yourself to silence. And there are some things that you can do to just come into that observer role. And so one of the things that I think has really helped me is actually when you come to do meditation, if you think you're going to be fidgety and you're someone that moves a lot, do a few simple yoga poses before you meditate. Because actually yoga and the process of all the yoga poses was designed to get you to that final state of relaxation, your shavasana, when you're lying flat in corpse pose. So by doing a few little movements beforehand, doing a couple of poses, you could just simple poses on the ground where you're stretching or moving your body, you will find that your body actually can sit still much easier. So that can really help with that sort of fidgetiness. The other thing is to not be so strict with yourself. So if you find that during your meditation, you need to move and you are just distracted by that ache in your leg, let yourself move. You know, it's not... You don't have to sit there. No one is watching you. And by simply stretching and bringing your leg back in or taking a twist, you can really find that you can just continue. You've sort of dealt with the distraction and you've come back to it. Fabulous. I think the other thing is really distractions. And you people will find that they will have distractions both with their thoughts, um, but also things around them. And so as you explained about sort of going into another room, taking yourself away from the distractions. I think that can be a really physical thing that people can do to give themselves that quiet. Um, I've sometimes meditated with big earphones on, like I've got today, just to block out noise. Even um, using a mask, an eye mask, can really help just to block out all that stimuli that's creating all these little thoughts and all these little firing of you know neurons going on in our brains. And then I think when you're meditating itself, people are sort of thinking, oh, I'm thinking and I shouldn't be thinking. What I would say is try to be that observer. And so if something comes up, just say, oh, that's a thought. Come up. I'm going to let it go. You know, try not to be hard on yourself. Try not to bring that expectation that you should achieve something when you're meditating because you will achieve the opposite (laughs) if, if you do that. So, uh, yeah, hopefully there are sort of little tips. I think there's there's definitely something about creating the right environment for yourself and then really giving yourself permission to let it happen and to let your thoughts be and let your body start to meditate and explore because, you know, that's that's part of the practice is exploring and trying things. Fabulous. And I would say as well, I do my meditation when my children are around and my children they fall out with each other, get upset with each other, but they 
when that happens, they're allowed to sort of come and sit on my lap quietly. They know that I'm just going to carry on meditating. And actually, I find it really helps to calm them down. So they might come and sit on my lap and then disappear. They're ready to go back. Obviously, for me, that makes my meditation look slightly different than I had anticipated. But that's okay. It's still meditation. And yeah, as you say, it's not this perfect, I'm in some outer (laughs) experience. (laughs) But I'm still not reacting to them in the same way that I would if I was trying to help them sort out their problem. And actually, I think it really benefits them because it allows them to calm down and then go and sort out their own issues. So if somebody is listening to this and they think, okay, I would love to start meditating. How do I, how do I give it a go? How do I start? Yeah. So I would say that, you know, try a little bit first. Don't set yourself a huge goal. I think that's the the first thing. So start small. There are lots of apps out there. And one that I really like is Insight Timer because Insight Timer has a huge community on there. And it's also been shown actually that, um, from lots of studies that by meditating with other people, we can get a greater benefit of some of these things into our own well-being. And so what the insight timer does is, you know, it'll tell you the other people who are meditating around you. And it's a really nice way to feel like you're actually doing it with other people. You can try a few guided meditations. And I would say that's a nice way to start. So listening to someone talking through, and they may simply start by focusing on the breath, or focusing on different parts of the body. Um, And I think just starting to listen to that and starting to um, create your own ritual, really. It's a little bit like you're saying you have a way of of going to where you go for your meditation and a way of how you interact. So for anyone who's meditating, I think it's starting to set up that little practice for yourself where you know that you are going to sit in a certain way or going to try it in a certain room try some guided meditations to start with and then just slowly build up. So, you know, try a couple of days in a week or try once a week and then see how you feel works for you and give yourself that flexibility to try something and realize that, you know, some things will feel very strange and some things will feel great. And if you're someone with a busy mind, hearing something to begin with will really help eventually it might be very nice to sit in silence and that can be very good for a lot of people but I would say if you're someone who's worried that you're going to get lots of thoughts and listening to something whether that's a mantra or the guided meditations is a great place to start to begin with and yeah there are lots of apps out there but I, I really like Insight Timer and that's and a really nice do one you to have try. A, an account are you do you have meditations on the Insight Timer? I've actually just starting to put some meditations on there. Yeah. So people can also listen to some of my guided meditations. And I've got a few guided meditations on my website as well. They're all really short because the way I started with meditation was just, you know, five minutes, 10 minutes. And I think that's a really good way to start. Um, You know, you can build up as much as you like. And in my own practice, I've gone on to do three days of meditation, silent retreats and sitting for hours at a time. But that's, which was fascinating, but that's not for everybody. And I think, you know, that's taking the the mystery, you have to take the mystery out of the meditation and really just find something that works for you because you don't have to tell anyone what you do when you meditate. It's actually just finding something that gives you that sort of space, that clarity and gives you all the benefits that we know are there for meditation. And so what, how can people find you on the Insight Timer? So the if you don't know, the Insight Timer is a free app that you can download. And I think they've got a paid 
section, but they've got so many. They've got thousands and thousands of free ones, including I have to put one whole meditation on there. It's a how to stop overeating meditation. But where can they find you on the Insight Timer? Yeah, so Rachel Beanland, and you should be able to find me straight on there. Or you can go to the, my website, which is resilienceyoga.fr. So I'm based in France, so FR on the end. Um, yeah, and all of my um, meditations are on SoundCloud, but there's a link there from my website to take you directly to those too. Okay, fabulous. And I would add as well, I have tried a lot of the different apps. And the one that I'm loving at the moment is the Balance app. And they actually have a free years membership which they're giving out at the moment but what I love about it is you know it it does exactly what you say it starts off by giving you guided meditations and then it allows you to have a little bit more space and a little bit more space so it's just something that I found worked for me so yes yeah tell, tell everyone about your site and what services you have on your site and again how they can find you yeah so resilience yoga is my site resilience yoga.fr and I I'm a yoga teacher as well as a meditation, mindfulness meditation teacher. So I like to combine both of those really and really share about how yoga and meditation has enabled me to be much more conscious about the decisions I make in my life. So whether that's my decisions in my career, but also decisions I take in everyday life. And so on the website, you can find my meditations. You can also find a link to my podcast, Authentic Tea which shares lots of stories of other women who are medics, who have been through medical training and become doctors, shared all their stories about how they're finding different exciting paths in their own life. So there's lots there. And um, one of the things that's also there, which is actually I was meant to mention, is that during the early days of the COVID-19 pandemic, there's the Happiness Research Institute did a big cross-sectional study of how people were managing at home in the pandemic and what people were using as tools through lockdown. And they published their results from that survey and found six different actions. And so I've got a little toolkit on the website, which goes through those six different actions and gives you some examples. And one of those is really about meditating. So they showed that during lockdown and during times where people are really restricted during the pandemic, that meditation is a great way to increase your levels of happiness and well-being. Um, so you can find that on there and all the information to that survey, which I think just shows really the power of a very simple tool that we can use when times get more challenging and difficult for us. Absolutely. I remember that first day, oh, such a long time ago now, but... My kids had just been, you know, we've been told no school and this sort of realization that something really big was happening and it was actually affecting my life. And I just remember that day feeling sort of nervous and on edge and being aware of it and going, I just have to go and have an hour to myself. And I did some yoga and a bit of meditation and I just came out feeling, yeah, I can deal with this. You know, it's different, but we're safe. My family's safe and we can take whatever life throws at us. Rachel, any last words of wisdom from you? Oh, that's a tricky one. I would say just try these things. If you're intrigued about meditation, give it a go. If it doesn't feel like it's for you right now, then that's fine, you know, but I think take away the mystique about it. And um, I would love to see more people using meditation in their everyday lives and it being part of what we share with people for overall well-being, because I think it has such potential to support us as we 
move through everything that we experience. Fabulous. Thank you so much for coming and chatting to us today. Thank you for having me. It's been wonderful. So a big, big thank you to Rachel. Make sure you go and check out her website and all those amazing resources that she was talking about. And come and join us in the Facebook group. And make sure you keep an eye out for the challenge. Have a fabulous week and I will see you again next week. Bye bye. (laughs) Bye.